Dear Heavenly Father, we want to just take this time and say thank you for your goodness and the blessings in our lives. Lord, we're thankful for things we can see and, and be a part of and, and verbalize and say we thank the Lord for his provision and his work and answered prayers and how that he brings things into our lives and, and just allows us to see uh, you allow us to see your hand working in our lives. Lord, we just want to say thank you for all these things and your blessings upon us. We thank you for the nation that we live in. And Lord, we're the first to bring to you its many sins and failures, how we've turned our back on you so many times. And yet, Lord, we thank and praise you for your mercy and your grace that's still extended to us and the freedoms we still enjoy to serve you. And to live in a free country, in your name we pray. Amen. Be Isaiah chapter 30. And uh, just in regular Bible reading, going through the book of Isaiah. And uh, some verses just kind of jumped off the page here and like to just... Spend some time tonight investigating those. Chapter 30 is Isaiah's rebuke to the nation of Israel for trying to figure out how God is going to deliver them. Trying to make their own plans, uh, putting their trust in in Egypt. And uh, it does not start out very cheery in verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children. Saith the Lord that take counsel, but not of me, that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. And, of course, uh, many times uh, uh, preachers that have been in this pulpit, of course, I, I say it often, our Bible is more up to date than tomorrow's newspaper. Is this not what is going on in our society today? Is, is is we are looking for justifications. We are looking for reasons to continue in sin and always looking for our own solutions. And uh, life, uh, things are going on. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And we wonder what is going to happen. And, and I want us just to skip down to verse 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest... Shall ye be saved in quietness and confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. But ye said, No, for we will flee upon horses, therefore shall ye flee, and we will ride upon the swift, therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. One thousand shall refuse. Flee at the rebuke of one, and the rebuke of five shall ye flee till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain, and as an ensign on a hill. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry, and when he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, 
Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. And thy ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. And it goes on to, to talk about how that Israel will defile and, and get rid of the false idols and go on. But those verses there just arrested my attention, and I would like for us to investigate them tonight. You see... We talk about wanting to return to the Lord. Uh, if I were to ask the question, and we do often hear how many of us could be closer to the Lord than we are right now, almost every hand would go up. How many of us need to continue growing our relationship with God? It's in number one returning and rest. You know, we are a do society. We, we emphasize things to do. In fact, they tell us the uh, millennial generation is the generation that's going to fix things. That's why the guy got killed in one of those self-driving cars. Amen? He, he's going to fix it. They're, we're going to fix all the auto accidents by allowing the cars to drive themselves. Uh how about, and this is going to bleed into tomorrow's message at the picnic a little bit. How about people taking personal responsibility for safety on the road? Isn't that just a novel idea? I mean, borderline miraculous. Uh, you see, the answer is in us stopping to sol- trying to solve all the problems and just coming back to Jesus. What was Mary's place? She sat at Jesus' feet, didn't she? Now, that's no guarantee. When Lazarus died, it was Martha that had the faith, not Mary. But Mary got over it, and Mary was the one that perpetrated the single greatest act of worship recorded in the Scriptures when she anointed Jesus' head with the ointment uh, just the night before, he rode the donkey into the gate, uh, the city of Jerusalem and proclaimed himself uh, the Messiah of the Jewish people. And uh, yet, here's, here's what the Bible says. I, I love the way our translators have put this together. I mean, this is almost uh, poetry. It just reads, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. It doesn't hurt to stop and remember how you got saved. Amen? To take some time and remember the struggle. And we get so wrapped up in life. I'll I'll tell you, my my mind is just all full of how in the world we're going to fix those towers. Uh, uh, just thinking about this and that and trying to get things done because time is of the essence. We're, we're going to lose our helpers here. Brother Darren's leaving Friday morning and, and uh, Brother CJ's leaving the following Tuesday. And uh, 
then, then we're back to ourselves again. And uh, you, you pray. And you can get all upset because every time we start something new, we find a whole new set of problems to deal with. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go back and sit a little while. Because it says in returning. You see, God's got the answer. I wish I did. But God has the answer. So instead of what Israel was doing, they had the Syrian armies there. Uh, they were, uh, had displaced the northern tribes of Israel, carried them away captive. They were now coming. Uh, if you'll read the ensuing chapters to uh, set siege to Jerusalem, and God intervened and protected them. But He's warning is He's warning Judah. He's warning the people of Israel. Don't trust in Egypt to save you. I mean, how many of you have had some consternation over our choices for our presidential prime, uh, race coming up here? Uh, I mean, somebody said, who are you going to vote for? Well, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of options here. Uh, neither one of them are very good. But if you think Donald Trump is going to save us, turn this country around, uh, you will find yourself, of all men, most miserable. Because there's only one person that can turn this country around, and that's God. And if we will find God, if we will return and stop trying to figure this thing out on our own, you see, in returning, you've got to rest. You've got to stop the turmoil. Uh, if you're Italian, the word is agida. Uh, you just got to turn off the acid and rest in the Lord. There's, there's a lot of promises in this book, are there not? And uh, one of them is things are going to get worse. Uh, make sure you don't end up fighting against Scripture and praying against what the Bible says is going to happen. Can we trust in God no matter what? Well, that's how you got saved now, wasn't it? That's how you're going to live for Him. When you rest your soul in the hands of God, it means that you're not the one solving the problems. You know, God will let you solve your own problems if you want to. The only thing is, you're never going to solve anything. It's just going to continually be there. But if you will learn to return and rest, you see, the title tonight is How to Return to God. How to get to where we need to be. And it's stopping this running to and fro and trying to solve our own issues here in just coming back and sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, God does not have 
plan A, B, C, D. He's only got one plan. It's called the local church. It's being involved. It's serving Him. It's being faithful in the little we can do. This is one of the uh, uh, problems I have with some of these uh, uh, financial gurus that are out there. And I'm not against Dave Ramsey in everything he says, but he wants you to wait until you retire. And then you've saved up all your money and you're going to have great things to give to God and all of this because you need the interest in order to have enough money to retire. Well, let me tell you something. God's not interested in interest. He's not interested in what you're going to have 25 years from now. He wants the little bit that you do have today. He wants you to honor Him with the first fruits today. That's how you got saved. Return and rest. What's the next two? You see, it says that in returning and rest shall ye be saved. And, of course, we understand that this is talking about our eternity, but it's also talking about being saved from a lot of other things. The frustrations, the turmoil, the, uh, you know, the person that you really need to be saved from the most is your own thought processes and your own abilities. God will save you from all of those things if you'll rest in Him. Amen? And then the next set is in quietness and confidence. You know, that's a tough thing. In quietness. I mean, I'm a preacher. My job is talking. I'm supposed to preach uh, three sermons a week at least in, in Sunday school. And, and uh, then we do discipleship and visitation and counseling and all these. My job is to talk. And yet it says, in quietness. And most of us like to talk. Every once in a while I'll catch one of my children just making noise. They say, What's going on? Are you, are you just liking to hear yourself talk? And uh, that's human nature, is it not? Quiet. In quietness. Seems unnatural, doesn't it? In just those few seconds where I waited and looked, people are starting to look around. What's pastor looking at? What's, what's going on? You, if you live out in the country, the problem is you can't live far enough out in the country today to really get quiet. It, it's got to be wilderness to be quiet. And even then, if you're in the wilderness, you've got the locust, you've got all of the, uh, this is a 17-year locust. Those things are, I don't know. Very many things that are more noisy than locusts. And uh, uh, you've got all of the different animals and night sounds. And 
In fact, you can actually go online in different places and buy recordings of all of the night sounds so that you can turn on your air conditioner, block out all the other sounds, and then play the night sounds in your room so you can pretend you're in the wilderness. We're not quiet people. We don't like quiet. Why do you think people drive around with the music hurting your ears from their car? It's because people don't want to think anymore. Because when we stop and we think, we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble. We can bring a lot of burdens that God intends to carry on our own shoulders. Uh, Assurance several years ago sang a song, Standing Still is Hard to Do. We always used to joke with Stephen that that was his theme song and uh, because he could just never stand still. He always had to be moving. That's the way we all are. Have you ever tried to be quiet before the Lord. To just think about Him and who God is. You see, that next thing is in quietness and confidence. We live in a world of second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth guessing. Do we not? I mean, well, I, I thought I did it right, but I wasn't sure that I did it right. I mean, uh, I, I'm quietness and confidence. The Bible says we're saved in returning in rest and we're made strong in quiet. Quietness and confidence. Have you ever met somebody that didn't talk much? And you just knew that they knew what they were doing? You ever? We had a missionary years ago come through. Most of you probably won't remember him. He just was here for a few days, preached... Uh, two or three day meeting for him. His name was Bob Brennan. He was a World War II veteran. And uh, Brother Brennan was just a little tiny guy, maybe about five, two or three. He didn't talk much, but I'll tell you what. We were standing in line at the Statue of Liberty. He had never been to the Statue of Liberty. And this was back years ago before you had to get your ticket six months in advance. And I said, Brother Brennan, would you? He said, I would love to go to the Statue of Liberty. And we were standing in line, and right in front of us was this six-foot-two-three young German man with his head shaved bald. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Skinhead, Nazi, neo-Nazi kind of guy. What he was doing Statue of Liberty, I don't know. And... Uh, we were standing there in line, and, and Bob Brennan talked to everybody about Jesus. I started talking to this guy and picked up on that German accent. And, and the guy, 
uh, said, yeah, I'm from Germany. And he said, yeah, I was in Germany once. And the guy looked at him, when were you there? 1945. And you could just see this guy. I mean, he was, you know, a foot taller, looking down at this little fella going, I don't like you. And he said, uh, you probably thought you came to set us free. He said, no. He said, I was there to defeat you. I'm sitting there going, we're going to get in a fist fight in the line to the Statue of Liberty. This is not good. But see, Brother Brennan never threatened. But this guy looked, took one look. And he said, I'm not messing with this old man. I think he'd win the war the second time around. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't going to defend Brother Brennan. I was just going to get out of the way because I wouldn't want him hurting me either. Uh, he was just that kind of guy. He was very confident because he knew what it was to fight. He had been in mortal combat and had come out the other end on the right side. Didn't say a lot. But I'll tell you what, when he did, you listened. It was kind of fun watching that big guy just back down and back down and step away and turn around and be quiet. That was, it was kind of nice. But have you ever met somebody who said, oh, I'm going to get it. You know, the only guy that had a big mouth and won many fights was Muhammad Ali. I mean, he's the only guy that did it. The Bible says our strength is in quietness, in confidence. Don't try one-upmanship with the world. You're going to lose every time. You can't out-talk the world. Don't try to fight the world. Because the biggest enemy you have to fight is you. Isn't that true? And it says that in quietness and confidence, it's our strength. You know, I don't care what happens. I can trust God. I was thinking as we were up there and they were pulling the boards out and we were digging out literally hundreds of pounds of uh, pigeon excrement and other things out of the rafters of the building there. And then the bricks were falling and all of this. And I'm sitting, oh my, this is a, this is a nightmare. And it just came to me, wait a minute. If I try to solve this problem, I can work myself to death and there will still be more work to do when we're all done. Let's just sit still and ask God to give us grace to figure this thing out. Amen? That's where our strength is. 
Not in telling people what we're going to do. Not in that one-upmanship. You see, this is what God wanted to do for Israel. and And He just simply says, and ye would not. You said no. You said, you're going to figure it out on your own. It says, we're going to flee on horses. It says, we're going to ride away on the swift. And God says, I'm just going to make your pursuers faster. They're going to catch you. And we get down uh, to verse 18 here. It says, the Lord is going to wait till He can be gracious to us. You read down a little further here. It says, that He may have mercy upon you. And and this has just been a, a theme I'm sorry, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. I just feel like it's something that needs to be repeated until we, we get it ingrained in our soul. You don't receive mercy until you're defeated. You don't receive mercy until you quit fighting. Until you unconditionally surrender. That's how you got saved. And God's going to wait until you've worn yourself out and you quit fighting so He can have mercy on you. He'll still be there. He can afford to wait. Can you? Aren't you glad God doesn't say wait till tomorrow? Because there is a verse in the Bible that says a thousand years or is one day. If God said, just wait a thousand years, it won't matter to me any. What good would it do any of us? But God's not going to show mercy till we quit fighting. I, I love this picture that is here. He says He's going to be gracious. He's going to answer prayers. He said, I'm not going to remove your teachers. That is one of the problems that we face today is we have no teachers in our society today. The only things that are taught is how to uh, commit immorality safely, which is a lie, And how to smoke dope safely and share needles safely. I mean, that's about the only thing that our kids seem to learn in public school on a general basis. I know we have some teachers that are teaching some things. But this is the 4th of July. How many people know anything real about George Washington except he chopped down a cherry tree and refused to lie about it? That's about the only thing they know. And that story's not even true. It's made up. How about the real story where George Washington was evading the British patrols and had gotten out of his way on a dark and stormy night in upstate New York? Saw a light and rode up to the door and asked if he could have housing. And he began to talk to them a little bit about what was going on. And very discreetly, as the person who wrote the story said, 
began to ask questions as if they were to, to discern whether this house was friendly to the cause of the revolution or not. And when he found out that it, they were, he accepted their uh, hospitality. The man of the house there said, after dinner, he says, we normally read the Bible as a family. Would you join us in our devotions? And the stranger said, yes, I would most gladly join you. And he, he read the Bible with them and prayed with them. And they said, the man of the house walked by the room that they had put him in. And they heard him get down on his knees and begin to pray to God to deliver them from the British and give them the freedom that they sought for. He said, that was our first clue that we may actually have had George Washington in our home. He said, and the next day as, as he left, he took a coin and gave to the lady of the house and said, I'd like to give a little token in your, in your hospitality, and I think you should know who you took care of last night. He said, I'm George Washington, Commander-in-Chief of the Army of the United States of America. And the family has treasured that coin and handed it down from generation to generation. Why don't they teach stories like that today? It's because our teachers have been removed. But look what it says here. Look how God's going to answer if Israel would only come back and enjoy His mercy. It says, But thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thy ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. How many of you have heard that voice as you're trying to make decisions? That's part of the job of the preacher. Is to give you God's Word so that you can hear. So that the Holy Spirit will have something to bring to mind to help you in the decision-making process of this life. That's why you have the responsibility to get in this book for yourself. That's why it's important to be here for Sunday school and for the evening service and for Thursday night and also the morning service as well so that you can get God's Word in your heart. You see, when we're quiet, that's when that still small voice of the Holy Spirit of God can speak to us. Amen? When we have confidence in God's will, in God's Word, that means we're standing on solid ground. One of the keys, the key, the, 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 the keystone, if you want to build an arch to making right decisions, is being where you're supposed to be today. God's not going to give you more information until you're where you're supposed to be. How many times do we ignore what we consider the little things until something big comes along and then all of a sudden, Dear Lord, please help me. God's not going to answer those prayers. Because He wants you listening to His teaching and doing the little things. His Word's there. His mercy is there to give us the direction that we need to stay on that narrow way. 
And be careful. This world is full of voices. And it's real easy to tune in to the wrong channel. How do you know you got the right one? It's in print. Amen? Check it out. Your premonitions will only take you so far. But God's Word will carry you. You see, it's in returning and rest. That's how you got saved. That's how you're going to continually be saved from the troubles and the mistakes and the destruction and the devil and all of these things that are out there laying wait to entrap you. It's in quietness and confidence that you'll have strength to endure whatever comes your way. It's knowing that God will wait until you're done struggling to show you His mercy. And what is His mercy? It's the fact that His teachers are there giving you instruction from the Word of God. See, that's how we return to God. That's how we walk in the way that He has before us. It is a choice that you have to make. You have to let go of some things. But if you'll let the Lord do His work, He'll give you that rest. He'll give you that quietness. His mercy never ends. And all God's people say, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We ask that you would use this admonition to Israel to encourage us to return and rest. To seek quietness and confidence. Lord, to listen to the words that you have put before us. We ask you to work in Jesus' name. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have a moment here. No music tonight. But if you need to slip out of your seat and spend a few moments at the altar, the altar's open. Then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.